Hey, I want to keep it real with you. If you listen to this podcast week after week, then I know that you will absolutely love my last three books. The most recent book, Travel Light, is about what I call spiritual minimalism, and it's basically a playbook for following your heart. And then there's Knowing Where to Look, which is kind of like a spiritual pick-me-up, meaning it's a book of inspirational stories and anecdotes that are going to help you shift your perspective in the best way. And for those of you who can't seem to crack the meditation code, you want to holler at Bliss Moore, How to Succeed in Meditation Without Really Trying. And your meditation practice will never be the same. All of those books are available on Amazon as well as everywhere else books are sold. All right, back to the show. Next thing you know, we have 400 agents. We're doing a billion in annual sales. On top of the 400 agents, 30 employees, it was a monster. But then that translated into the courage of me listening into my heart to know when it was time for me to leave the industry. I literally manifested a buyer for my business. I said, by next year, I'm done. I had started my healing journey and I said, this language, this conversation, this energy, quite frankly, the frequency of the industry, there was very little loyalty. There was very little friendship. And it, it was like getting your heart broken over and over again. And I finally was like, I want to help people. But in truth, the way that I could really help them is to like really discover who I am first outside of the industry that is very much attached to competition and financial gain and all of those things. It just didn't resonate with me anymore. And that took a lot of courage because that was my identity. Hey friend, welcome back to the Light Watkins show. I'm Light Watkins and I have conversations with ordinary folks just like you and me who've taken extraordinary leaps of faith in the direction of their path, their purpose, or what they've identified as their mission in life. And in doing so, they've been able to positively impact and inspire the lives of many other people who've either heard about their story or who've witnessed them in action or people who've directly benefited from their work. The goal here is to expose you, the listener, to as many people as possible who found their path and to tell their story and to humanize them. And after hearing story after story of people who found their path, you eventually start to give yourself more permission to move further in the direction of what you feel like your path and purpose could be. Because what you'll see is that anyone who does that has had to overcome many of the same obstacles that you may be dealing with right now. And my guest today is someone who I've admired from afar for a while now. You've probably seen some of his viral videos about healing your trauma and stepping into your power. He's got millions of followers across the social media platforms. He's got a podcast called The Higher Self, which I've actually been interviewed on. And his name is Danny Morell. Danny is a legendary entrepreneur turned business strategist turned spiritual guide who facilitates these amazingly transformative three-day experiences called Awaken that take you on a journey of self-discovery. They're often attended by hundreds of people and sell out within days, if not hours, of announcing it. His mission is to help people awaken to their highest purpose and potential and power. And as one person heals and transforms themselves, then their energy influences the lives of the seven people closest to them. And in doing so, we can heal the world together. 
In this episode, Danny and I spoke about his humble beginnings, his relationship with his father, who he describes as pretty much the opposite of him. And due to hectic circumstances at home, how Danny became the head of his household at 13 years old, including having to drive his brothers around and run errands. We talked about Danny's entry into real estate and the lessons he learned from those early business experiences and how he learned about the importance of operating in integrity. We did a deep dive into his personal transformation, how he lost everything financially and then had to figure out how to survive even though he had a family. We talked about how he faced his darkest moments and how those moments caused him to feel less inspired by living a life driven mainly by competition and financial gain, which he described as his primary identity at the time, and how he became more inspired to start healing himself. And after seeing his mom wither away from cancer, and after personally having an affair, he started questioning his beliefs from the top to the bottom. He started getting into better shape, and on all levels, physical, mental, and spiritual, Danny began stepping into his path of helping others confront and heal themselves. So in this interview, we talk about his personal experiences in healing. We also talked about what people get wrong about using plant medicines like ayahuasca to facilitate self-healing. We talk about the male-female dynamics and how to become more authentically masculine and feminine. We spoke about blind spots when it comes to staying connected to your heart, especially in relationships and how to heal from sexual trauma because both the masculine and the feminine require different approaches and considerations. We talk about how do you know when you're healed and how do you detect your own blind spots and how to tell who is truly high value relationship wise from a spiritual perspective. All in all, this was a fascinating conversation especially if you are feeling disconnected from yourself or if you seem to be having lots of ups and downs and and bad luck when it comes to dating and relationships. I think you're going to get a lot out of Danny's perspective and his framework. And if you're not already a fan of Danny's work, you will quickly become one by the end of this episode. So without further ado, let us get into it. Here is my conversation with Mr. Danny Morell. Danny Morell, thank you so much, man, for coming onto my podcast. I was on your show not long ago, and it's cool to flip the tables now and, and be able to ask you questions and hear some of your profound wisdom that you've accumulated along your life journey. Let's do it, man. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Cool. I always starting off with the earlier years. And from what I could gather from reading your first book, is that you grew up in New York City, your parents, mom is from Ecuador, dad is from Dominican Republic. You had a very seemingly traditional Latin upbringing where you were introduced to salsa and all this really cool stuff. But I would also imagine that you were introduced to the idea that the man is the head of the household, your job is to provide and et cetera, et cetera. So can you just talk a little bit about that indoctrination of what you learned from your parents growing up? as a young person, the oldest of of three boys, in terms of what your role was to be in the world and what the idea of success was to be for you? Yeah, that's, wow, that's a great one. It's interesting because as you asked me that, 
when you said the words, the man is the head of the household, I didn't even think about my dad. I thought about my grandfather. And neither my grandfather nor my dad made any real, they just got by financially at least. But there was this reverence or this huge respect for my grandfather. He was the kind of guy that like sat in the same seat at, at the dinner table. No one else, absolutely no one else. I don't care if you were a baby. I don't care who you were, could sit in that chair. There was fear. There was fear attached to that, quite frankly. And so whenever I learned, I just kind of learned from watching him. Because if I'm honest, my father is like the exact opposite of like the exact opposite. If you were to see him in the street, you'd be like, that's your dad? And he just thinks differently. He acts differently. In many ways, a lot of my motivation for becoming who I am today came from seeing what is the opposite of who I am today, quite frankly. And then secondary, like when I was 13 and my parents split, I, I instantly stopped being a kid at that moment. And it's wild because I see my, I have a, a 14 year old and I see him and I think, oh my God, that was the year that I was driving. That was the year that I was taking my little brother to all his sports games and all his practices. So I just became very responsible, quite frankly. And so, yeah, I think the other indoctrination that I wasn't too happy with was, especially as a Latino man, it's like there was this undertone. There's like secret knowledge that like my grandfather went out and basically slept with everybody. And uh, I had, I think it's 13 aunts and uncles from probably seven or eight different women. And I remember not really liking that. I remember some of my cousins, it was like, man, that's freaking awesome. Abuelito got the chicks or whatever. But I always saw the pain in that. And I saw my grandmother's pain, you know, and I, I kind of really resonated with it. That's how it all came to be. So if I'm honest, man, like everything that I am today came not only from my deep journey within, but quite frankly, I think from anger and from being mad and from being mad at not showing or not being shown what it is to be a man, quite frankly. I had to figure it out on my own and mess up a lot of the way. You mentioned in your book, at least, that you also were exposed to big thinking. And I'm curious how that showed up as a young person. Who did you notice that was thinking big around you and, and or influenced you or inspired you to, to think that way? I had an aunt at the time that we, we were all a pretty poor family, but he started a Mexican food cart business. So if you think of New York City, you think of the hot dog guys. And they're, and they're at that certain corner every single day type of deal. We had, or my aunt had, a Mexican food cart. But we're not Mexican, by the way. So my grandmother would cook like her famous Ecuadorian chicken. And it was like chicken with onions. And I remember, and, and these refried beans. And I remember we'd scoop, I have to show you, I haven't done this in a long time. I remember we would literally scoop the beans and put them in the tortilla. And then we would grab the chicken and put it in there and make these big, delicious burritos. I could see them and taste them right now. And we would stand in like uptown on the east side where people with the most money had. And I had to like help push the little cart for like 20 blocks until we got there. So 
I think I learned it from her, quite frankly, because she was the only one at the time who had the courage to buy a house. I learned a lot from her. I did, however, have a lot of big thinking from seminars and books that I read in my like 18, 19s and 20s. And, and that's where I started to realize you legitimately can have and become whatever you want. Is she the one that gave you the idea to have the tortilla delivery service? No, that kind of just came to me. Being that I was so responsible, I was, I think, honestly, God, I think I was 18 at the time. And I used to take my little brother, Anthony, to all of his baseball games. This father that was there saw me. He must have thought, wow, this kid is like legit because I was the one showing up to everything, even every parent teacher conference meeting, everything. And one summer he decides to go away to Mexico and he asks me, do you want to take over my route for me while I'm in Mexico and house sit for me? And if you're willing to do that, then I'll pay you. I'll pay you. I, th I think it was like, you can keep all of the profit, but just leave me 20% of whatever is left over. So I started making like, I don't know the exact money, the number, because my, what I think of as a lot of money now has changed obviously since, since I was 19. But I just remember at 18 years old feeling it must have been a thousand bucks a week. So for 18, living you, in the you ghetto, wealthy. you're rich. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that happened. And this is in LA, right? It's in the Inland Empire, which is 45 minutes east, southeast of LA. And One more question about your childhood. In the book, you mentioned your parents got divorced at 13, but, and you don't really talk about your dad anymore. You do talk about your mom. And so was your dad completely out of the picture or because you guys were living in the hood, there was all this violence. Was he not supporting you guys at all or what was going on there? Yeah, no, it's funny. It's, that's why when we were on the podcast together, I mentioned, oh, that book like that. I wrote that from a different me. And at that time, I hadn't healed my relationship with my father yet. I hadn't reconciled with him yet. So. Yeah, he was completely out of the picture. If I'm honest, in many ways, he's still completely out of the picture. But at least we've healed everyone. Yeah. Uh, we talk type of deal. Like, in truth, I don't know what it feels like to have some sort of loving human of me to go to. You, you know what I mean by that? To go to for advice, to go to for help, to go to for pretty much anything, quite frankly. And so it's interesting because that comes up in my relationship with Jen, where all she really wants is to be there for me and to love me. And there's been a lot of healing around. It's been healing around me accepting love from somebody else because for so long, I've just had to fend for myself. And there's a, a big part of me that likes that because it, it, it creates something in you. But then there's a big part of me that like, I probably never listened to that, that doesn't like that too much. Well, it also informs a lot of, I think, a lot of your perspective today with the masculine and feminine work, because you obviously saw your mom have to jump into that role a little bit. And then you had your own roles with basically nurturing your brothers. And so I think it's important for people to understand that you didn't just wake up one day and, and have these thoughts and understand that the way we show up in relationship is a lot, is largely based on the way we relate to our parents and then also something you said, which is I healed that part of myself with my father, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that person has to be in your life. And I think that's another aha for people to understand that you don't have to bring people back 
into your life just because you've healed that relationship with them. It, it can look like a lot of different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think the most important thing, and it's one of the things, it's like all of Awaken, I culminated into that moment. Mm-hmm. Very different to self-actualize if we haven't healed our relationship with our mother and father and reconnected with all of our ancestors. Mm-hmm. And so that's the last thing we do at Awaken and Light. I only learned that because that's what happened to me. So I, I went through an, an, a two-year period where spirit was calling me and was saying, you're never going to be the man you're intended to be unless you take care of this. And I was I don't want to. He doesn't deserve it. He hurt me. He left me and my brothers, all of these things. And then finally, it's like little by little, the more that my heart opened, the more and more that I realized that he only did what was done to him. And then to your point, it, it's just not, I don't know if the word safe is the right word. I don't want to say it's not safe to be around my dad, but he doesn't know how to not let me down. So since he doesn't know how to not let me down, since he is not in the fullness of, put, put the word masculine aside for a second, in the fullness of his courage, in the mm. fullness of himself, in the fullness of his heart, in the fullness of his being, he doesn't know how to be there for me in that aspect. He doesn't know how to be that for me. And so, you know, as a result, I tend to create a healthy space and create a healthy boundary. I actually provide for him financially as well now. I take care of him. But... I just keep things where they need to be kept, per se. Well, you're also now, you're recognized and, and to some extent you're celebrated for your ability to hold space for a lot of people to explore their healing journey through your awakening events and et cetera. And again, I know you didn't just wake up and you have all these skills to be able to hold that space. When you look at your backstory and the fact that you built these companies in real estate that, again, represented a different aspect of who you were as you were going through your own journey. But those skills can still translate in holding space and inspiring and motivating in thinking in terms of scale and building. And I want to talk a little bit more about how you acquired these skills, right? Because you're in real estate. There's a million people in real estate. Why were you the one to start coaching these other realtors? Why were you the one to scale this business to a billion dollars? What did you learn from that tortilla delivery company or or that first guy that you work with who was screwing people around and they came back and laid into you to, to yeah. help you find your path and learning the business acumen behind inspiring people? Yeah, like it's so interesting because this came up last week at Awaken. We just got done with it. And I was talking to them and sharing with them how money, in this case, as is relationship and as is health, just a reflection of what's going on inside. I was telling them a story about when I was in real estate and this ties in perfectly. And I was sharing with them that I learned how to sell real estate from a group of unlicensed realtors. We're all from Peru and they had just, I don't know how they got over here. I don't know if they had a green card or whatever the case may be, but they would send me to the swap meet and they would send me to the swap meet to go sit in front of people and talk to them and get numbers and phone numbers. Well, they taught me how to work with buyers 
because a buyer to work with a buyer is pretty easy. You put them in your car, you drive them around, you open the door, you ask them, do you like the house? And then they do. And then you make an offer. That's it. But when you work with a seller, it's different because you got to go interview for the job of getting their house sold, basically. And so we'll start from the beginning. I would say 70% of all real estate agents are afraid to work with sellers. And if you dig deep, why would you have to? When you can go put 20 buyers in your car, open the 20 doors, ask them if they want to buy the house. And if the average price point is half a million bucks in the neighborhood and you get 3% commission, which is 15,000 bucks times 20 houses, that's 300 grand a year. Like, why would you need to do anything more than that? Right. Here's where things were different for me. Whatever, and it's always been like this, whenever I've been afraid of, I want to go discover why I'm afraid of it. I want to go into the depths of it because that's where like the magic starts to happen. And so my motivation was, I remember at the time, I fast forwarded my life 10 years and I thought, right now I'm not married. I don't have kids. But when I do have kids, I'm not going to want to be one of those missing dads because my dad was missing, right? I want to be at their games. I want to be at practices. I want to be able to pick them up. Many people don't know this about me, but when my boys are with me every morning, I wake them up. I make them breakfast. I cook their lunch. I drive them to Timbuktu because we live far away. I'm driving them all around. I come home. I operate. My business ends at two so that I can get back in the car. I go back out there. I pick them all up. I come home. I make them some lunch. I get make sure that they rest get them to sports practices. I I wanted to have it all in life. I, I wanted to have the freedom to be able to do that and explore that. And that's what took me into learning. And that's what took me into the courage to face my fears and the courage to learn parts of the business that may, maybe other people didn't necessarily need to or want to address. And then what happened was that translated into the courage to lease my first office. That translated into the courage to hire my first employee. That translated into the courage to open the brokerage and start recruiting agents. That translated into the courage to hiring uh, a CFO. That translated into the courage to hire somebody to take over operations. That high translated into the courage to expand the business. And next thing you know, we have 400 agents. We're doing a billion in annual sales. On top of the 400 agents, 30 employees. It was a, it was a monster. It was a monster. But then that translated into the courage of me listening into my heart to know when it was time for me to leave the industry. And I, I literally manifested a buyer for my business. I said, by next year, I'm done. I just, I had started my healing journey. And I said, this language, this conversation, this energy, quite frankly, the frequency of the industry, not all over the place, but where I sold real estate. There was very little loyalty. There was very little like friendship. And it, it was like getting your heart broken, even when I wasn't connected to my heart <laughs> back then, getting your heart broken over and over again. And I finally was like, I want to help people. But in truth, like the way that I could really help them is to like really discover who I am first outside of the industry that is very much attached to competition and financial gain and all of those things. It just didn't resonate with me anymore. And that took a lot of courage because that was my identity. And that's how it all went down.
Hey there, really quickly, have you checked out the Happiness Insiders? That's my online community where you can learn real-world techniques for cultivating more fulfillment from the inside out. So when it comes to practices like meditation, gratitude, finding your purpose, manifesting abundance, you don't have to use any more shoddy guesswork. Instead, you'll get a clear roadmap telling you exactly what to do and how long to do it for each day in order to get the most out of the time that you're already spending doing your inner work. Plus, you get community, which means no more lone wolfing it, and you get accountability directly from me, which means no more stopping and starting when it comes to your inner work. And for my podcast listeners, I will give you 30% off of the all access pass if you go to thehappinessinsiders.com right now and use the promo code HAPPY. Again, thehappinessinsiders.com. Enter the promo code HAPPY and you'll get 30% off on a yearly all access pass, which gives you access to dozens of inner work challenges and master classes, such as my 108-day meditation challenge, which has an 80% completion rate. Plus, you'll get accountability directly from me and live free meditations with me each week and much, much more. That's thehappinessinsiders.com and the code is HAPPY. All right, back to the episode. In the moment in 2008, when you lost everything, the first time you had to get out of the industry and you couldn't even afford to get the air conditioner fixed and you had two kids and a wife and it was 103 degrees and all that, obviously you had to figure it out. But looking at that part of your life now through the lens of, of Danny Morell now, what do you think you, you learned spiritually from that experience of, of losing everything and then having to rebuild it all again? I learned facing the darkness. I learned facing yourself. I learned picking yourself back up. And it's interesting you bring that up because yeah, the way this all connects is that now I'm able to hold space for literally hundreds of people at a time going through their own self-actualization because I, I, I went through that myself. I wonder mm-hmm. myself. It's even funny because like, so what we do is after Awaken, which at this last one, there was about 800 people there. After Awaken, I took a one-day break, and then I went into what we call our inner circle intensive. And inner circle is like my, my, my mastermind program, per, per se, right? Anyhow, at the end of the three days of the intensive, I told them, I said, listen, I, I want to let you know. There, there's a lady that said, if you would have asked me a month ago if this program was worth it, I honestly would have said no. And I, did, I didn't flinch because that's okay. She has the right to, you know. And then she says, but being here, she was like, take all my money because you changed my life. I didn't react. I just heard her. But she mentioned that she was a little upset at the beginning because she didn't get enough of my time per se. And then I, I grabbed the mic and I said, to, I said, listen, guys, I, I want you to know that part of the medicine of this program is knowing that you got into this thing because you thought that the answer wasn't me. And so you needed me. And part of the medicine in the program is that I recognize that in you and I understand that you will never, ever find the truth about yourself if you think that the answer is in me. So I have to start the process. There's a whole new crop of you coming in, right? There's 10 new members and I'm already noticing you have to make sure that I see you. You have to always raise your hands. You always have to ask me for a hug. You always have to like do the little things where you don't realize you're trying to get my attention. 
And the medicine is, I ain't going to give it to you. I'm not going to give it to you. Because if I give it to you that I'm falling into your need, and your need is the very thing that is keeping you from the life that you want. So the medicine is standing firm for your highest self. Because your highest self doesn't need me, doesn't need anything or anybody. What you need of is less of me and more of you, quite frankly. And all of that, like I learned, because that was me. That, that was me. I, I was that guy that needed. And then you get to a space where you no longer need, and it's possible. Yeah. And what I'm thinking of now was another, again, part of the story in the real estate experience where you talked about how one guy you were working with, you would give him everything, all the resources, and he couldn't make the sales. And then another guy could make the sales. And you said the difference in those two is that one had an option not to do it. Mm-hmm. gave themselves an option not to do it. The other one had no other options. They had to do it. And I think that also translates on a more spiritual level, like going through those moments, those rock bottom moments where you lose everything and you have to do it is really not only preparing you for a breakthrough, but it's also your credentials for when you really fully step into your purpose and start helping other people to navigate a similar storm to the one that you navigated, because that's how they're going to be able to relate to you. Just being in your energy, you don't have to say a word. They just being there, they know, okay, this person knows where I am right now. That's right. And even if they're not giving me what I think I need, they're not giving me what I think I want. They're giving me what I need by just holding that space. You know, you know what's wild, like never in my life, never in my life would I would have thought that I would be talking about the things that I talk about, doing the things that I do. Never in my life would I think that I... Do you know what it is to have 800 people doing breath work? No. It's wild, bro. Wild. You're really helping me to reflect things. Because of me and my drive and my desire to get to the truth and to excel and to be the best, like, our breath, we don't play rap. It isn't light, per se, right? It is. We're going to take you in darkness because you're never going to get the light unless you go into the darkness. And sometimes I'm like, we did this activity with all of the women. And I asked, our audience is normally 75% women as it is. So the men at our events are outnumbered like four to one. This activity, we do this activity with the women where, you know, for a woman to fully self-actualize, she's got to deal with her sexual trauma. Like she, she's got to start that process. She's got to get out of that energy that has been holding her back her whole life. And she's got to come face to face with it and start the process of just starting to let go. And so we do this activity where I, I, I purposely make the men see, I make them separate and I'm, and I, it's all the women and all these women are in front of me, brother. And I'm sitting there never in times that I think I'd have, what is it? 600 women like holding their hands, sitting in front of me and I'm guiding them in something like what? But that's only possible because I was able to deal with my own femininity, my heart, right? Where I was afraid to do it, where I was afraid to come face to face with mourning my mother's death. I was afraid to open up and receive love. And I think in many ways, our society has been so bamboozled because Everybody wants to become something, like call it a a life coach or a therapist or whatever you want to become. It's one thing to have a certificate on your wall. Uh, And and I literally do not have a single certificate of a single course. There's nothing. 
It's the course of life. It's the course of life. And I only speak about the things that I have overcome or become. And that is why purposefully, like people will ask me all the time, like, why don't you talk about like gay relationships and so forth and so on? And it's like, because I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't want to offer you something that I don't really know. So speaking of that, your mom passed away in 2016, and this was a moment of reckoning for you where you started asking yourself some very tough questions. What I'm curious about is what was the catalyst for you asking yourself those questions in the sense that were you reading a certain book at the time, maybe Conversations with God, or had you watched a Tony Robbins thing? And I need to start asking these kind of questions. No, what happened was I saw my mom and for many years, this was the point of a lot of anger for me. But even this, I had to go through and heal. But I saw my mom basically wither away from cancer all while she gave her life to the church. And so I saw my mom believe in something because that's what she believed, right? And, and to You too, God. though. You were a big Christian and, oh, and upheld a lot of those principles. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. By the time that my mom was sick, though, I was already starting to like, Mm, something, something, something's not right. Something, I'm, I'm not feeling something here because I remember people would like, I'll give you an example. I'd be walking down a neighborhood and I'd say, someday I'm going to live here. And then like a year later, and it was like the dopest neighborhood in town. I'd be living there. Literally, it would happen just like that, right? And nowadays I have to be careful because true story, like I just built this place and three months ago, before we left to London, I was like, this is where I want to live, right? And I said, someday, next thing you know, like, we're in escrow buying a house in that neighborhood right now. And that was like 30 days later I came up. So the point is to say that people would come up to me because I was 21, 22, 23 years old, where most people that age are like getting drunk and high at college parties or whatever. I, I, I was in business. I was making money, right? I was driving a seven series BMW when I was like 22 or something like that. So people would come to me and they'd say, ah, oh, God has blessed you so much. Like you're so blessed. And truthfully, this is where like my mind and my heart started to combat a little bit because my mind was told to believe that it was something outside of me. But my heart was like, wait, you're the one that walked by the neighborhood and said that you would live here. And then all so something's not right here. So then by the time my mom got sick, it was like we went through this journey of basically coming face to face. I believe this was part of my soul contract, her soul contract, coming face to face with like Jesus never showed up. He did. I'll talk about that later. He, he never showed up in that way. And it made me come face to face with, whoa, like if my mom believed this and she put her life to this basically. And now she's gone. What about my life? And I'm like, what is this? Am I really happy? I have this big business, but I'm 50 pounds overweight. I'm in a relationship that like not fulfilled. I don't even feel like I can be my real self in. I, I have this nice car and all these nice clothes, but am I really happy? This is deep. And then since I had disassociated with the church, it was like, and what is God? What is God? Because I've been told to believe all this stuff, but I don't want to believe anymore. Because my mom believed and I saw her like, die believing, right? And nobody had any answers to me. So I was like, 
I want to know. I want to know the truth. That's where everything began, man. And so you go on this sort of rocky montage spiritual journey where you leave your real estate stuff and you start to explore the inner world. Just give us a little snapshot of how that went down. How did you know what to try first, what to do first, what to do second? When did you have your first direct experience? Because you got to go through all the the charlatans and stuff first to, to realize who's legit and who's not legit. I'll tell you what happened, Light. I had an affair. I had an affair. And the affair was so much medicine for me personally because I was always the goody two-shoes, right? I, you, you know this as a man. Like when you're around a group of guys, like guys do what guys do. And so we'd go to a trip to Mexico because my buddy was getting married per se. I was the guy that all of the wives trusted that if I was going on the trip, like their husband wasn't going to do anything, which is a lot of pressure for me because I can't control <laughs> something like this, right? But, you know, I just had that kind of vibe because they knew if there was any man on planet Earth that would never do anything, it was me. And sure enough, it was true. However, it wasn't my truth. It was coming from this space of wanting to be seen a certain way. It was essentially coming from a lie within me. And so essentially what started to happen was that started building up inside of me. My disconnection at home and my relationship started building up inside of me. And I had a, a secret crush on somebody for three years. And finally, one day, we just, it just happened, man. And I had so much conflict inside of me because in one aspect, I felt so much guilt and so much shame. And I felt horrible, man, horrible. I felt like I had let myself down. I felt like I had let God down. I felt like I had let my children down. I felt like I had let the community down. But then on another side, there was a part of me that was like, but this is what you wanted, though. This was like your truth. And so part of me felt like I was like, I was trapped in this cage all these years. And I was finally like let out. And that's when everything truly started to happen. And in truth, you want to hear some, something crazy? What led to that and what led to my separation, it's almost as if Source was like, your time is done in this relationship. Because some people just get together, honestly, to bring souls into the world. And that's okay. That's okay. For a lot of people, that might trigger them, but that's okay. I was on a trip where I, my son was about to drown. My son was about to fall into a waterfall. And I dove in and saved him. And as I'm pushing backwards, I tumbled down the waterfall. And I thought I was going to die, basically. And when I finally came up for air, I didn't even have any air. Because, you know, when you're fighting that thing, it takes everything out of you. I didn't even have the energy to swim. And I was going to keep going down, basically. But, but luckily, like, I, I had the energy to swim. I got out and my wedding ring had disappeared. And from that moment, it, it's as if Mother Earth said, this is over now. That's when, the, that's when everything started to fall apart. So, yeah, that's what happened. And when I did that and feeling the ugliness of all of that, I was the guy that spent 10 years of my life saying ayahuasca is the devil. It's evil. It's like you're a, you're a sinner. You do ayahuasca. Bible says and I was that guy. And as passionate as I am now, that I was 10 times more passionate back then, quite frankly. And I was at my lowest of my low. I had left our home. I left my wife, my ex-wife and my kids there and I moved into an apartment and I was just alone. And I said, I need some because I'm going nowhere and I'm going and I'm going there like fast. And then that's when I saw a buddy had had done an IO journey and he had a massive smile on his face. 
And I called him and I said, where were you smiling like that? He goes, I did ayahuasca. And something inside of me said, I'm in. That's it. It just called me. And I just smoothed from there. What's interesting, man, is that when you describe what you were feeling inside, I'm sure on the surface, people thought, oh, Danny's the most successful person I know. Did you hear he grew his business to a billion dollars and he's done this and he's done that. He's been recognized by this group and that thing. And, and I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. You've been able to do fairly well in the capitalist game, yeah. but in the self-realization game, you're struggling. I was a and mess. I was a mess. Yeah. And you know why, Light? I now teach from this. It's because a lot of people make a lot of money, but it's because they're coming from negative energy. David Hawkins speaks about this power versus force. Like you can come from force. You can come from the frequencies of desire or pride and you can get a lot done and you can make a lot of money in this world, but you'll always be miserable inside because it's not really who you are. As your soul starts to go through the process of letting go, you raise into higher frequencies. It's really beautiful, man, because you no longer want money. You want to help the world. And in the helping of the world, like whatever you need just shows up, you know. I was watching this random nature video on YouTube or something, or, or maybe a social media, and this crab was shedding its outer layer. And apparently this is something that crab, and a lot of reptiles do this, but what was that process like for you of officially recognizing that you have a calling to help other people heal themselves? Was there a ceremony or a ritual around this? Did you make a very conscious decision to do this? Or did you just end up somewhere helping people and then you just started making it bigger and bigger? Like, how, how did that transition happen? Oh, I, I'm laughing because this is just me. This is just me. But everything starts with ego. Everything was like, oh, man, I'm going to be the world's greatest spiritual healer. And everybody's <laughs> going to want to come and oh my God, this is going to be great and, you know, so forth and so on. And then I remembered the moment, man, like true story. It was during COVID and we had not held, see, Awaken used to be called Relentless. Okay. And Relentless was like a motivation type thing. And that's where we had like, you know, Kobe Bryant, Alex Rodriguez, all of these like famous people would come and speak. But then when Kobe passed six months after my last Relentless, and that's when I was like, Something just didn't feel right anymore. And I, by then I had done plant medicine. So I was like, when you really find yourself, there's nothing to be relentless about because everything you ever wanted, you have in here. And so it's, man, I got to call something else. I call it something else. I said, I know. I went through a pretty big awakening and I feel like I awakened. That's where the name Awaken Your Highest Self came from, right? The very first Awaken Your Highest Self was with 30 people in my living room. And we like broadcasted it to a couple of other people online. And I remember, man, does one of the biggest ego deaths and one of the scariest moments I have ever had because I thought I was going to literally die because I'm sure you've had an ego death. That is like, that's some gnarly stuff, right? Especially the first couple of times you're experiencing it. After that, you're like, okay, you know, you can just breathe through it or whatever. <laughs> but I'm sitting up there and I'm so scared. I'm so scared because my whole ego was attached to you needing me. And you like paying me for that need, which ties back into what I was talking about earlier, because now I can spot that need in somebody else. Because like I said, I was living in that frequency as well. And 
I, everything is boiling up inside of myself. I'm starting to sweat because I know I have to say the truth. I have to say the truth. And I'm sitting there in front of all these people. And I'm like, if I say this truth, everything I know is gone. Everything I know is gone. And everything that I know to be is over. But I'm like, you have to say it. And then I go, and the truth, guys, you don't even need me. Like when you find yourself, you don't even need me because you would have found the truth. And the truth is, is that everything you've ever wanted is inside. And I said, guys, I'm going to land early. I'm not feeling that good. I got to go. And I like stumbled to my bedroom because it was in my house. Luckily, three of the women who had done medicine before sat next to me. Like I was there for an hour, shaking and twitching and like throwing up and all this energy, this lifelong need for people to accept and validate and respect and maybe even in some ways feel less than just all the bullshit, quite frankly. It just all started coming out of me. And in truth, if I would not have had the courage to say what I said, because I think that's the part that I think most people don't understand in this spiritual journey. Like I've seen people do ayahuasca. I'm not kidding you. 60 times. They still don't get it. They still don't get it because they don't ever actually listen to the message and they don't actually live it out. Like I, I'm thinking vividly, like I, I know not every couple has to break up. Obviously, a lot of couples, the medicine heals their relationship and it's more beautiful than ever. But I know one guy in particular who like, it's very clear that like Kim and his wife are just not in love. And him and his wife, they live separate lives. And he's out at strip bars and all these places and like partying with prostitutes. And, all. and this is after doing ayahuasca at least 12, 15 times, by the way. He still doesn't get it because the medicine is telling him what he has to do. But he's so attached to the image that he won't let go. And that's what I think some people do. And in truth, like I was just that guy that was not afraid. Like I just, you get to the space where it's, you don't care what people think. You just, you want to know the truth about yourself. And I think that's what helped me get to where I am today. You got a massive platform. You got a huge social media following. I heard in another interview, you talked about how in order to get traction, and I may be not saying it in the right way, but you want to connect with you said most people are unconscious, basically, and you want to meet them where they are in terms of your own messaging. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit more and what you meant by? Yeah, it's so interesting. Like even the masculine feminine thing, that's not really who we are. That's not really what we do. It's just people are in so much conflict. They're used to living in conflict. They're used to living at war. They're at war with themselves. They're at war with their partner. They're at war with life itself. So where before you used to have to meet, they're at war with money and their inability to have money. They're at, they're, every, everybody's at war, which is why we're at war. War is just a mirror. It's an outpicturing of what's happening internally. That's it, as a collective. And so it's like you have to feed them. You have to feed them right where they are, right? It's interesting because all my social media guys, I, I, I see saying, I don't want to talk about this stuff. I don't want to talk about this stuff. I want to help heal people. And they're like, you don't get it. People don't want to hear that. Pe people don't want to hear that they're still holding on to the letdown that they felt from their father because that's not sexy. That's not, mm -hmm. what you got to do is you got to give them like this other message, right? Because in truth, like what we're, I think, really good at is that we use the unconscious to help us spike our content to get to the masses. So it's like, 
when people start arguing and debating and getting upset and so forth and so on, we just, we're just like, they don't realize they're unconscious of the fact that the very thing that they don't like because they're feeding it and giving it energy is what makes it grow. So I don't take any of it personal. I think I posted a video today, something along the lines of, if you're a woman and you're in your masculine energy, which call it what you want, if you're living in the woundedness of your mind, if you're living in fear, if you're disconnected from your heart. But I use masculine energy because like half of the people are like, why does it have to be a gender? So they get mad and they comment. I just, no problem. Then you're going to pick a partner who most likely is in their feminine energy because of polarity. It's just like, don't get mad. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. You, you ain't going to get anybody who's in their healthy masculine energy. You won't, unless you're willing to have a couple hundred ego deaths right there, like that man alone will be medicine for you, quite frankly. But most likely what happens is you pick a man in his feminine, a man who's really afraid to step into the leadership and to confront you, a man that is desperately wanting to be loved. And so as a result of him desperately wanting to be loved, he will not be his true self because he's mm-hmm. afraid of himself. And so I say, so you do that to get what you need. And then he does that to get what he needs. The problem is that that, that won't last. That'll last four or five years. And eventually a woman will lose respect over a man like that. And then life happens. And so that's an example of one of the videos that we post and one of the, the, you know, and it's really interesting to see the comments because it's like a lot of people are like, oh my God, you just described my life. And then there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who are like, but no, I don't know. They just, and then people just start talking and then it just does what it does. I think aside from religion and politics, I think the relationship content is probably the most engaging and the most triggering for a lot of people because everybody has an opinion. And and to to some extent, I've thought about this a lot. I think because everyone's experience is so subjective, even if you're a quote relationship expert, you're still going through it to some extent. I'm not in any way, shape or form, by the way. <laughs> right. But anyway, your mission, as you've stated, is to have an impact on 3.5 billion people. I don't know why you limit it to just that many uh, when there's more than that in the world. But, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why, because they'll take care of the rest. But how would you articulate your overarching message? What is Danny Morrell bringing to the, that relationship or the spiritual conversation that uh, we should all be aware of? Just a guide to help people reconnect with their hearts in a profound, deep way. A guide that will help you peel back the layers of the onion so that you can experience the richness and fullness of life in your finances, in your health, in your relationships. And a guy that like holds space for you while you're doing it all. So connecting with the heart, what are a couple of things that we're doing wrong? What blind spots do you have you noticed that a lot of people have when it comes to connecting with their heart? People who are who think they're doing a great job, people who think they're spiritual and connected and all the things. Yeah, I'll tell you the thing that surprised me the most. I I don't want to give it all away, but in the final day, we, we, we do this activity. We do an activity to help. It starts off by helping women to heal from their sexual trauma. And it's, I'm talking, women are gag, like crying. Like, it's just like, they're just releasing and releasing. And it's a beautiful thing to watch, right? But then, 
the love you give is the love you receive. So the men participate in that in a very gentle way. Then we do the reverse. So the women give back to the men and the men are crying and gagging and it's just profound. And I think the biggest thing that men don't realize is they're disconnected from their ability to receive. And I think the biggest thing that women don't realize is that they're disconnected from their ability to give. They give to their children, they give to their dog, they give to their community, but they won't give to men because they're afraid. They're afraid to fully let go and they're afraid to fully acknowledge the masculine. And whenever a woman is afraid to fully acknowledge the masculine, it isn't even about the men. She's afraid to acknowledge, forgive the masculine within herself. And when a man is not able to receive, it's not even about the woman. It's he disconnected from his feminine and the love that is within him. So after both of those things are done, I saw both parties struggle. I saw women struggle and literally be confused and not know how to give to men. And then I saw men not want to receive from women. And then after a while, they just drop into their hearts and then like they go, she's beautiful. It's like a reunion basically. I think that's the biggest thing is that when you're disconnected from your own masculine and feminine, it's going to be really rough to receive or give love to another person. I've been operating under the, I guess, one of my theories about, I'm not a relationship expert or anything close to that, but let's say that someone considers themselves to be healed, right? Whatever aspect they had too much of this or not enough of that, and now they're healed, yet they keep attracting someone who is closed off in one of those areas, right? It could be any man, woman, masculine, feminine, et cetera, which to me indicates that maybe you weren't as healed as you thought you were. I'm wondering how do people know that they're healed and what are some of the indicators of that? And obviously coming to the awakened experience is the top shelf solution, but What's something that people can do now from wherever they are to start facilitating this process? I would say just look at life. Just look at life. So really look at your relationship with your partner, right? And if there is no partner, really look at your relationship with yourself. And when I say really look at your relationship with yourself, what I mean is go deep. Like, what do you need? Do you need attention? Do you need validation? Do you need to be the one that is... You need glamour. You need the labels. Do you need the vape? Do you need the alcohol? Do you need the Botox? Do you need the light? Do you need testosterone? Do you need the steroids? What do you need? And why do you need it? Because I'll tell you, I don't, forgive me for being so blunt. I don't care what anybody tells you. You for sure as hell are not as healed as you think you are if you're constantly in a space where look at your career. Heck, look at your Instagram profile. Just look there and just ask yourself, what does this person need? An Instagram profile will tell you everything you need to know about somebody, quite, quite frankly, you know, and look at your career. Look at what you put up with. Look at what you truly enjoy. And have you given yourself the space and the opportunity to enjoy it lately? So I think those are the things you have to really ask to really find out because you cannot be at the highest energetic frequency and not attract exactly what you want in life in any area of life. It's impossible because what the outside is just a reflection of the inside. 
So the second thing would be, if you were asked, what do we do? I literally, before coming here, I walked out into the backyard and I took my shoes off and I stepped in Mother Earth. It's as simple as that. Like, reconnect. We're so disconnected as human beings. So just go sit in silence. I, I wish I could show you right here in the front. There's like this limestone, these trees, and it's just calling. It's literally calling me to quiet the mind, go sit down, go meditate, right? While you're frowned, and go reconnect. And then the other thing, light, is go get clear. Go get specifically clear with what it is that you want. I think a lot of people are afraid to be that clear because they're afraid to be let down. And so when you're afraid to be let down, there's still some residue of fear in you. Because when you're not afraid to be let down, when you're unattached to the outcome, you just get crystal clear with what you want. If you don't get it, you just wait till you get it. And that's powerful. And then as a result of being crystal clear, you could spot it out. The energy of, in this case, the person you're with, if that is the right frequency, that's the right energy of the type of person that you want to be with or not. So yeah, that's my answer. I think another challenge that we have in our modern society is we don't live in tribes anymore. We don't really live in community. Like To your point, we're isolated. So we don't have those examples of what life looks like in different stages. We only know what we know and what our friends know. So our peers who are giving us feedback and advice may not be the best or most qualified people to do this. But, you know, again, like to your own example, you said your grandfather, he had a little flandering thing happening and maybe he wouldn't think that's such a big deal going out and and being unfaithful to your wife. I don't know. So how do you think about that? How do you think about who would be the best person to seek feedback from so that you could have some assistance in seeing your own blind spots in your immediate life or community and how, how would that come? How should that conversation start? To, to get the best information back. I think it's yourself, man. I think it's yourself. I, I think when you learn to get really quiet, you start asking yourself, okay, like, how does that make me feel? It, it either feels so good, it can't be wrong, or it feels so wrong, it can't be right. And you really start to listen. And then you start to ask yourself, why am I doing something? Or why am I being with someone that feels so wrong, it can't be right? What's underneath there? Where's the lack of courage? Where's the lack of connection to the truth of who I am? What's up with that? Where did I learn that? You got to go down the rabbit hole. And then listen, I, I've been really gentle about this subject. The truth is that for a lot of people, you can start right with your belief about who or what God is. Because think about this. It's like you can't even have an avocado tree without a masculine and a feminine. But yet here we are, we believe that like God is a man, right? So then as a man... As a man, what does that say to me? It says that the woman is even slightly less than me. Mm -hmm. And then as a woman, what does that say to me? It means that God is not me. It's something else. It's like different than me. So there's a gap. You understand what I'm saying? I think that's the biggest, not I think, if I step into my boldness, that is undeniably the biggest thing causing separation, first and foremost, is the story that we have been programmed with about who and what God is. Because when you really know the truth, you could never, you can't even put that into a box with a name. Forget about a gender. You're just going to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. What's the Danny Morell perspective on the terms high value men and women? Very different than what they're made to mean. 
Yeah, high value man, for example, is somebody with a lot of money. Somebody, if you just picture him, he's, he's really successful in business. A high value woman, she's on Instagram. She's got the bikini body. She has a nice purse. She has the, the Dior sunglasses and the red bottom shoes or whatever. And to me, I, w- I, I, w- I wouldn't come close to those people with a 10 foot pole because a truly high value human being doesn't need to show you anything. A truly high value human being knows who they are and they're perfectly content with who they are on the inside. A truly high value human being is from within. That's what's really high value is somebody who knows themselves, somebody who has journey within themselves, somebody who has removed all of their limiting thoughts, feelings, traumas, energies, somebody that is at peace with themselves, somebody that is spiritually connected. That's a high value man or a high value. Are you writing a book right now? I am. Okay. So you're laying all this out. You're obviously thinking about it a lot. And yeah, I am. It's uh, <laughs> you like you're training for an Ironman. You're like, yeah. <laughs> you know what it is, Matt, is that for some reason it flows like this. It's hard for it to flow like this. It's just, so it's tougher for me. Yeah. When is the book due? When is the manuscript supposed to be finished? Six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> you could use the new kid as an excuse, but now. I, I know. For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. New kid, new moving back and forth. Moving. Yeah. But uh, we're, you know, in truth, like these last couple of months have been, have been like really rough. Like when I met you in London, I, I, I think just today, like last night I got a nice seven hours of sleep. I don't think I've a while. Woke up. I was able to get a little workout in. I've got the time to get another workout in or a walk later. Like, I feel like I'm in my element again. Oh, I think that's been part of the struggle, quite frankly. As someone who's lived out of a backpack for the last three years almost, I recognize a capsule wardrobe when I see one. Talk to me a little bit about that. Every time I see you, you got the black shirt, the black pants. Was that a deliberate choice? What does your closet look like, Danny? Is this a bunch of black shirts and black pants? Black. Black t-shirts, black pants, black sweaters, black track suits. You know, man, because I used to be the opposite guy. You're the custom-made suit guy. I was the custom-made suit with the flashiest, most expensive tie with the gold Rolex watch. Like, I needed you to like me because of what I was wearing. Mm. And then you get it, man. It's it's true story. By the way, which forget, I'm just going to share, if you're out there listening, please don't get mad at me. I just want to share my <laughs> truth. The other day I was driving and I was back home. I was driving and I don't like wearing anything branded. Just mm. don't like it. N- nothing wrong with it. I, again, I, I just don't like it because of where I, who I was in my past. And um, anyhow, I'm, I'm driving and like the sun, you know, when the sun is in the morning and it's like right in your eyes and it's like blinding you, right? So I'm like reach into my glove box and to pull out some sunglasses, which normally I just have these $20 pairs of like my, my in-laws own a glasses company and I, I like them. They're cool. They're just, but my old Prada sunglasses from back in the day were in there and I'm trying to like sell them on Facebook or I probably just give them away to somebody. <laughs> and I looked at them and they say Prada. I'm like, I feel like an idiot wearing those things. Like I really do. So I refuse to wear them because that's just where I'm at. It's funny because on socials, so many people like look at me and they ask, well, why don't you wear white? Because there's no white pants, like white pants and white. It just feels weird to me. 
So I just picked black. It just seemed easy. That's it. That's it. You do rock one logo. You, you rock the butterfly logo. Uh, that, yeah, because that means. <laughs> what does that mean to you? My very first ayahuasca ceremony, I, in true Danny Morell ego fashion, I go up and I take a, a cup, the first cup, and I lay down. And an hour later, I sit up because I realize nothing's happening. I don't feel anything. And everybody around me is doing their thing, throwing up, they're giggling, they're orgasming, whatever they're doing. So I'm like, eh, this stuff, it's not all it's going to be. So the shaman says, all right, if you'd like a second survey, come on up. I was the first one there, the first one at the altar. My ego is, man, this stuff. He goes, how much do you want? Nah, give me whatever you give me. And he's okay. First time ever. So he gave me like another full cup. Like, I'm telling you, as soon as I sit down, I'm like, oh my God, I better lay down. And then all of a sudden, my arms start moving like this. And then it was like faster and faster. It's so fast. I can't do it right now because it wasn't me doing it. I was out of control. I was not in control. And clear as day, man, like I, when I went to church, I had always wanted to hear God's voice. And I never did. I never did. And I would pray extra hard. But right then and there, I heard God's voice. And she tells me, she says, my son, your life is about to transform just like a butterfly transforms. And I see literally the vision that I get is I see the cocoon opening and I fly out. And that's where my journey began. And so that butterfly logo represents transformation. That means a lot to me. Beautiful, man. I think that's a great place to end it. You have your events, the Awakened events. You have your, your podcast, which I was honored to be featured on, The Higher Self. When is the next event? How can people learn with you? Is it online? Is it mostly live? What's yeah. the format? Yeah. Awaken is something that we reserve as a live experience. It's mm-hmm. too profound. It's too profound to have online. We are hosting an online event called Discover, potentially in January. But the next Awaken is in New York City in February. And then after that, we'll be in April in London. And then after that, we'll be um, back here in the U.S. in June. But yeah. Okay. And discovers for anyone anywhere in the world. When yeah. Anyone, anywhere. That's right. Beautiful, man. It's an honor talking to you and hearing uh, more about your story. I'm, you shared things I haven't heard anywhere else or I haven't read anywhere else. So I, I always appreciate that. And um Looking forward to crossing paths again soon. Sure, man. Sure. Thanks so much. This was wonderful. Seriously. We got into some stuff that, like you said, I hadn't gotten into before. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to my interview with Danny Morell. You can follow Danny on the socials at Danny Morell. And of course, I'll put links to everything that Danny and I discussed in the show notes, which you can find at lightwatkins.com slash podcast. And if you've enjoyed our conversation and you found it inspiring and you're now thinking to yourself, I would love to hear Light interview someone like dot, dot, dot. Just shoot me an email with your guest suggestions. I love getting guest suggestions from listeners. My email is light at lightwatkins.com. And then in addition to that, one really simple and quick way that you can directly help me get that guest on my show is to leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. And that's one of the reasons why you always hear podcast hosts like me 
asking their listeners to rate and review the show. It's because that's mainly how a lot of guests gauge whether or not they are going to come on to someone's podcast. They'll look and they'll see, oh, this show has a certain number of ratings. Oh, it looks like people are engaged. I'll do it. And the good news is that it only takes 10 seconds. You literally just look at your screen, click on the name of this show, scroll down past those first five or six episodes. You'll see the space where there are five blank stars and just click the star on the right and you've left a five star rating. If you want to go the extra mile and write one line about what you enjoy about this podcast, then that's great too. You'll leave a review and you will make it that much easier for me to get those guests that you want me to interview onto the show. Don't forget, you can also watch these interviews on my YouTube channel. If you ever want to put a face to a story, just go to YouTube and search Light Watkins Podcast. And if you didn't already know, I post the raw, unedited version of each podcast in my Happiness Insiders online community a day early. So if you're the type that likes to hear all the mistakes and the false starts and the chit chat in the beginning and the end of each episode, you can listen to all of that by joining the happinessinsiders.com and you'll also get access to my 108 day meditation challenge as well as other challenges and master classes for becoming the best version of you. All right, I look forward to hopefully seeing you back here next week with another story about someone just like me, just like you taking a leap of faith in the direction of their purpose. And until then, keep trusting your intuition keep following your heart and keep taking those leaps of faith. And if no one's told you recently that they believe in you, I believe in you. Thank you very much. Sending you lots of love and have a great day. I think we can all agree that sometimes life is hard. And even when we know that we should be following our heart and listening to our intuition more, it's so easy to just drop into default mode and keep playing it safe. So if you want to get a little extra nudge when it comes to following your heart and taking leaps of faith and believing in yourself each day, you want to sign up for my free daily dose of inspiration email. You'll join 30,000 other subscribers who receive a short inspirational story or anecdote that's meant to inspire you to become the best version of yourself each day. You can sign up at lightwatkins.com and you'll get your first inspirational message as early as tomorrow. Again, just go to lightwatkins.com. You can sign up for free, and you'll wake up each morning inspired to be the best version of yourself.